Welcome to the St. Mark's Lutheran Church by the Narrows podcast channel. The sermon you are about to hear is from our worship service on August 14th, 2022. For more information about the community and ministries of St. Mark's Lutheran Church by the Narrows, you can visit our website, smlutheran.org. There you will find the full online worship service from which this sermon is taken. And if you would like to give gifts to support the ministries of St. Mark's, you'll find information on how to do that there as well. And now, here's Andrew Larson with the Gospel reading. Our Holy Gospel today comes from the Gospel of Luke in the 12th chapter, starting at the 49th verse. I came to bring fire to the earth, and how I wish it was already kindled. I have a baptism with which to be baptized, and what stress I am under until it is completed. Do you think that I have come to bring peace to this earth? No, I tell you, but rather division. From now on, five in one household will be divided. Three against two, two against three. They will be divided father against son, and son against father, mother against daughter, and daughter against mother, mother-in-law against her daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. He also said to the crowds, when you see a cloud rising in the west, you immediately say, is it going to rain? And so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be scorching heat, and it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? The Gospel of the Lord. You may or may not recognize me as much since I graduated college from PLU because I have been working and serving all over the world. I served in Peace Corps in Comoros, a tiny island nation off the coast of Madagascar. And then I moved to the Philippines working with, uh, for human rights advocacy and justice work with our faith partner in the country. I have lived and worked in islands all across our beautiful planet. Throughout it all though, Western Washington continues to be my home base and my place of family connection between those moments from around the world. I have friends out here, my siblings and family live here in Western Washington, all creating it to be my home base. Even doubly so now, as my parents have moved out here, settling my family into the South Sound firmly. After living a lonely year in isolation while living in the Philippines at the start of the pandemic, and continuing to make sense of our shifting and wild world, it's a great comfort for me to have family, community, church, and a sense of home within this place. Having family close, my blood, my DNA has always been important to me. Even if that has been virtual or while I've been living abroad, my gracious mother played cribbage virtually with me every day during the first year of the pandemic even when I skunked her a few times here and there. Currently, I live with my brother and his family and their two children. I get to play uncle on a frequent and amazing basis. I've been told on multiple occasions that my partner and I do the best jump swings out of everyone of the family by my niece. No one else can get her quite as high as my jumps can. I've even been co-workers with my sister and her wife at Pacific Lutheran University Family, both literal and chosen family, means a great deal to me. Even just this past weekend, my father was explaining to some folks the immense amount of work that he's done 
and energies, but into exploring our ancestry and where our family comes from. Some of you might be into the ancestry thing, you know, ancestry.com, 23andMe, so much more, where you send in your DNA and they analyze it with great genealogy work. My dad has even found some cousins in Denmark that he's been in touch with. My parents have both sent in their DNA samples, their little test tubes full of spit, and they uh, reported back their ethnicity and ancestry. And just this past weekend, my father was explaining how the DNA percentages and re results originally submitted get updated every year. As more and more data gets inputted, all sorts of people and information gathered makes the data more accurate and more nuanced. The results narrow down, the percentages shift, the DNA results become clearer and clearer. The blurry or general or vague idea of, of what makes me up in my family has become clear as ancestry results have gained in popularity. This talk of family and DNA makes me wonder, what does the church family look like these days? Where is our church family from? How are they doing? What does our church DNA makeup look like these days? When we look at that pie chart of DNA percentages, what makes this church family tick? What are the biggest wedges and slices? Mission, outreach, youth and family, hot coffee ready on Sunday mornings, oatmeal for Bible studies. They all might take a chunk out of that pie. Creating the very essence of our church identity. But are any of those wedges in competition with each other? Do resources or percentages have to be allotted differently between programs and staff, property, and more? And what makes church, church definitely looks different than it has even just a few short years ago. Cameras, Zoom, virtual worship have all interwoven themselves into the DNA and very fabric of what it means to celebrate Christ within our country nowadays. And not even ponder how our church family DNA might look like for our values and our ideals. When the spreadsheet and readout from perhaps churchancestry.com or 23andme and jesus.com, what would it say? 64% love, 12% joy, maybe 6% exhaustion? Where does hope line up in all of this? I've always liked to say that Christians at bare minimum are at least 50.1% hopeful. Even if just barely tipping into that more dominant half of hope, the resurrection miracle of Christ calls us into a sense of hope. Perhaps begrudging that time with our heads down, but hopeful nonetheless. Even in our topsy-turvy wild world, there is something inherent to our Christian DNA that keeps us hopeful. But it's really, really hard sometimes to main, maintain that hope, even if it is embedded into our hard wiring of our faith, seeing that there is something redeemable about our world when the news cycle and our politicians are more than willing to tell us otherwise. It's a challenge to be hopeful because being hopeful means that a part of you, even if it's just that 0.0001%, more hope than not means that you're committed to this wild world that we live in. But wild worlds and hopeless moments aren't exactly a new or novel idea. 
in our scripture this morning, we encounter a man who is trying to make sense of his world and escape the messiness of his situation. Getting away from the violence and power struggles and trying to tend to some flocks of sheep and goats. Moses' entire life had been turned upside down and nothing was ever quite the same. I'm sure he dabbled in his fair share of unsure and settled moments leading up to this early moment in Exodus that we read. But there, in the midst of all of that, God announced themselves so clearly and so boldly. God speaks to Moses and proclaims, I am your God. I am your parents, God. Your grandparents, God. I am the God that has woven your DNA and stretched every fiber of your body into existence. I am your God. All of this happening within a bush engulfed by a fire and was yet not consumed. Though tongues of flame licked up the sides of the bush, it did not burn. Though there were fiery embers deep within its blaze, the bush did not diminish or go away. What a clear sign from God. There was no second guessing or wondering if this truly was the divine's presence. The burning bush was the creator so obviously laying it out to Moses that they needed to look up, pay attention, and listen. Far too often, though, I feel like the burning bush is described otherwise. Pastors and youth directors telling folks to look for your burning bush moment, or you'll never know where you'll experience your burning bush, or even simply your sign from God is coming. Almost as if it's a mythical treasure hunt, if we out there turn over rocks and get out our treasure maps, eventually we'll find that sign from God. If we traverse enough deep, dark jungles or go down enough alleyways or scale epic mountain peaks, eventually, just maybe, we might have our own burning bush moment that shows God's sign is present with us. But I don't think that's really how we are experiencing Exodus and shaping our time today. I think our creator and maker has put up signs of an unconsumed burning bush all around our society, our country, and our world. Plenty of moments where God is inviting us in to recognize the holy, to take off our shoes and stay a bit, pay attention, and listen. An abundance of God's signs that are clearly stating to us, I am here. For example, there's signs from God about the growing uh, climate change catastrophe and world conflicts, giving us scientific experts, creative thinkers, and voices willing to change the status quo. We need to recognize the voice of the holy, pay attention, and listen. For decades, centuries, even black and brown leaders have prophetically declared alternate versions of history and living saying without abandon that their lives were holy and sanctified by God, but systems and powers that be have consistently said otherwise. Thoughtful, imaginative, divine-inspired activists laying out how reparations truly could look like in this country, how reconciling racial division could overcome class and economic barriers. The signs of how to be hopeful in our world are there, right in front of our faces, speaking clearly, and courageously. We are invited in by God to be a part of it, 
We need to recognize the voice of the holy, pay attention, and listen. The signs we need from God and how to remain hopeful in our messy world are already present, proclaiming the good and wonderful news. We are not in some need for a desperate vision or a visionary to arise from our ranks or bold new dreams or visions to miraculously appear. We don't need more data inputted into our DNA to be updated. You've been baptized into a mission of God's hand, to be God's hands and feet here in this world. Do not be distracted. God's work is wonderfully laid out for us if we're willing to pay attention to the signs. We already have hope embedded into us. Instead, what we need is the courage to recognize that we are surrounded by burning bushes on all sides. Surrounded by signs from God on how to upend the status quo, rethink how we're living, and make the kingdom of God a lived reality. A reality that prioritizes community and relationships, a reality that celebrates joy and rest, and not confining them just to weekends and holidays. Once again, it might be hard to remember that it's in our very essence, it's in our very essence as created by God to be hopeful and to be on the lookout for signs. But this quote about hope resonates for me. We seldom admit the seductive comfort of hopelessness. It saves us from ambiguity because hopelessness has an answer for every question. The answer being, there's just no point. Hope, on the other hand, is messy. If it might all work out, then we have things to do we must weather the possibility of happiness. Hope is messy, but it means that we believe it might all work out. We need to hear God speaking to us saying, I am in the very fabric of your being, weaving hope throughout the strands and your sinews. I am the God of your ancestors and I'm the God of your children's children. Listen to me. So we must listen, we must be bold and courageous enough to recognize the glaring and obvious and clear signs from God and declare with hope overflowing, here I am. <laughs>